The following program was produced by Community Producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the Community Producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. station outbound. Good evening and welcome to the Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening and my guest is Bill Thompson. I'm a guest. <laughs> we, we, we were going to put him down as an activist and then we were going to put him down as a political activist and he thought guest sounded more impressive. <laughs> like uh, I told that it was the best thing I'd been called all day, so I'll go with guests. Yeah, we, we um, <laughs> this show is being taped on Wednesday afternoon, but we'll run it'll run tonight, and it runs on Saturday and Sunday. So uh, this is the day after the election, of course. And usually, if it were a night show, we'd have more information we could com- compile from the yesterday because some elections still haven't been decided. Particularly uh, interesting enough that. The the, the still count votes, I think, in the is it the fourth congressional district, which is Joe Kennedy's vacancy? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a close one. Yeah, yeah. and apparently the the person that was a former Republican endorsed by the Globe and uh, Artichoke or whatever his name is. Yeah, I, I, I can't even pronounce his name. Jake yeah. Ockenkloss or yeah. something. But like he was that. up by about. He a, looks. Yeah, he's going to win. I yeah, think. Yeah, by about thousand votes. But there was some interesting results yesterday uh, at the local level. There certainly was some observations we can make as far as what happened here in Massachusetts for the state election. And then there are some other things happening nationwide. So by the time we get through today, we may be able to provide you with some insight with the things that are going to come up between now and November. But um, when I looked at the results today, from now we did deal primarily with the Malden vote. We have some others that we'll, we'll interpolate, but uh, this is the Malden vote. And um, starting off with the United States Senate race, uh, back at the, uh, the beginning of the year, I was in, in a conversation with a well-known political consultant who's run campaigns, been involved in campaigns. And at that time, um, he indicated to me, based on what his win, and he wasn't involved in anybody's campaigns, that Kennedy was going to win. And his, the observation was at that point, you have to remember, as long as Eddie Markey's been in the Congress, a- almost his entire career was in the House, which is just one district in, in the entire state. He's only been a senator for about, what, four years, six years? Well, it's been a six-year term. Yeah, but yeah. He was a, he's won one election, and he won, he won the special election. Oh, the special election. Yeah. yeah, you're right. So it's only like four years. Yeah. And the observation that this person made to me at the time was, uh, number one, of course, Kennedy had that Massachusetts name, which which obviously counts for something. But also, he said, 
Senator Markey was really not well known and visibly a person that was identifiable once you get out of Boston area. But mm-hmm. whether he had a better campaign this committee or whether he had, I don't think it was the money that was the issue. Both of them, I think, were well-financed. But um, and maybe some of it was when you when you went to look at the two candidates, there was hardly any difference between the two of them philosophically. And then on top of that, as the campaign proceeded towards the election day, ironically, the young, energetic, red-headed guy that's running for senator against an incumbent wasn't getting the young vote. It was the senior person in his middle 70s, literally, who was getting the the bulk of the new, newly registered votes and also was getting the, anybody demographically under 40. And some of the people older than that were for Kennedy. So it was kind of a twist and an unusual situation. Well, I mean, to the general observer, you might. I mean, the insiders, the problem with the whole thing was that it's it, it was a primary contest, right? Yes. And usually only more of the party faithful tend to vote in the primary as opposed to the general. That's true. And they're the ones that are probably a little bit more informed, right? Should be, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So most of the inside Democrats, the ones that uh, would show up to a primary, asked the question as soon as they heard him say he, who he was running against is, why the hell is he doing that? And he never answered that question. I mean, throughout, I mean he never could answer that question. And uh, that was the, probably the big problem right there. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing possibly could have been, and it sometimes happens from a strategic point of view, sometimes you have a long-term person in office and someone surfaces as a competitor or a, or a potential opponent, and you start weighing the situation. Here you are, you had a career and a resume that's impressive, achievements that, that uh, sometimes uh, make you uh, popular, you think, in your own mind. But then you have to think about, well, at my age and with my family situation, do I want to go through the drudgery of another campaign? And what if I'd lost? Yeah. And I just wondered, maybe Kennedy thought by getting in early, position himself as a, a primary opponent, it might be a situation where Markey would make the decision, well, I've, I've had a great career, and uh, maybe it's time to move on. Well, then there was the other Democrats that got mad at Kennedy because here we are in an, uh, an election cycle where all our energy should be expensed at getting Trump out of office. And... For him to pick this fight now was a, a the the activists in the Democratic Party wanted to spend their capital elsewhere. They didn't want to spend it within the state on this what they considered to be a stupid race. So um, that was a problem, and it's actually going to it's actually I believe is going to be some backlash amongst the party faithful now because he uh, against Joe Kennedy because he did waste. Uh, a lot of uh, the the people that worked for him, the money that was spent on him within the state, could have just as easily been spent in Maine against uh, Collins up in Maine. They could have been up there working, and no, they're down here working. They didn't want to be. Okay. So you know that's gonna that's gonna be a discussion going forward as to his his choice and his timing, and uh, he's gonna he's gonna pay a price for it. Yeah. 
One of the things that uh, impressed me or, or uh, I observed in the interviews, in the beginning, when I saw one of the debates, uh, most of one of the debates early on, and in that particular debate, um, Markey looked his age, Man. and he looked tired, and I didn't think he seemed to have an, a lot of energy. However, one of the things I think I don't think helped Kennedy, he didn't have much of a volume in his voice. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like he could come on and generate a lot of enthusiasm if he was going to talk with you. If you fast forward to last night, I I heard uh, Eddie on the national newscasters after the election when it was determined he was the winner, and then there was a part of after he was on they had on. Um, uh, Kennedy uh, given the concessions to his mm -hmm. to his people, and uh, it, he, uh, the, our Senator Ke uh, Markey uh, was no longer casually dressed, no longer with the sleeves rolled up. He had a suit and tie, <laughs> looked very good on TV, mm -hmm. had a lot of energy, and maybe with the adre adrenaline flowing because of his success. And when they switched over to Kennedy's campaign the concession. He was, I think, internally emotional because there was a pause at one point. Yeah. It was almost like whether he was shocked that he didn't win or it was just a letdown after working as hard as he did because he was certainly a, a, a secured congressperson if he had waited. And this way here, um, and there has been talk that should Biden win that maybe Senator Warren would, get a, would a, get a cabinet spot. Mm. My inclination would be that it wouldn't happen partly because you got a Republican governor, so you'd be giving up a, a Senate seat, even though you'd have a special election to fill her, her seat. So in any event, I, I think the contrast there was that uh, it seems that maybe the senator older, older than the, his opponent got rejuvenated along the way, and the other person kind of ran out of steam. And I think probably he would become aware, as I as an observer became aware, that the things that worked in his favor in the beginning no longer a help, whether it was the virus curtail the opportunity of voting or spreading yourself around or whatever, or people will focus elsewhere. But mm -hmm. as you get closer and closer to the election, the question could have been when a lot of people, why make a change? There's no difference in basically what they're saying. They well, that was too. I mean, they were both two peas in a pod as far as their yeah. political ideology. But then the other thing is that the Kennedy campaign was really unprofessional. They didn't. They screwed up big time, in, in my opinion. And I'll give you two examples of that. I actually think they're funny. Did you see the ad where uh, the IBEW put the Joe Kennedy ad for targeted for Worcester and they misspelled Worcester? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> <laughs> it was in big letters across with Joe's face on it. And they totally misspelled Worcester. And then another one, another ad they did, where they accused Markey of not going out to the hinterland in Massachusetts, the other, you know, the western part of the state, and they listed, for example, towns he'd never been to. Some of the towns were uh, destroyed when the Quabbin Reservoir was built and no longer exist. <laughs> Some, sometimes that's a, that's a feeling within a long-term candidate. That was a they, mistake. They, instead of that, it worked in reverse. I didn't see any of the... By well, the way... Oh, well, I got one more to tell you. Got okay, one more to tell a, you. That's the third thing. Go the, ahead. The, this is when... Uh, uh, well, this is kind of secret, but I'll share it with you anyways. 
They were down. They went down to the Cape to tell Ethel Kennedy that Joe had intentions of running for the Senate, and Ethel is all thrilled because it's his grandson, right? Yeah. And she says, "Well, who, who's uh, whose seat are you running for?" And he said, "Ed Markey's." And he's, "But we like Ed, don't we?" <laughs> she said. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it. I mean, if Ethel Kennedy likes Ed Markey, I think you might as well wrap it up and go home. <laughs> well, the, and the final results appear to be that uh, although they kept calling it as close, the, the trend obviously was in the opposite direction, although I, don't, I didn't hear that a lot from the, the poll surveys. But it ended up, what was supposed to be a close election, turned out about a 55 to 45, which is close to a landslide. Yeah. And it emolded, which we'll get to that in a minute about the, the vote, it was about 70% for Markey, and that can be understandable because this being his home. But uh, And he ended up the campaign, I think, in front of the library last night. Oh, yeah, he yeah. did it. Oh, and that was probably one of his best speeches I've ever heard him yeah, give. Yeah, and it, you're yeah. right, and that's yeah. the part I was referring to. It was almost like off the cuff, but it, and I didn't think he was reading it, but he's, he had organiz, organization, enthusiasm, and a lot yeah. of vigor. And, and it certainly, yeah. was to me, it was a very impressive. Yeah, and the backdrop was good because he tied into it by saying that he studied there when he was a, a kid and in law school and stuff. He would yeah, come he home always, and— Yeah, uh, he always brings up that foolish talk about his father being a milkman. and this. Well, yeah, but the <laughs> library where he studied in the library. So that, that was tied together nice as to why the backdrop yeah, was there. Yeah. And uh, it was good. It was good. Very, very impressive last night. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So good luck to Ed Markey. He, he did a great job. I mean, his, his commercials were really much better than Joe Kennedy's, too. Well, um, one of the things that was kind of interesting was that the— Whoever um, did his commercials. The Globe. And, and, you know, I, I saved an article, and I didn't bring it in today because the election's all over. But there was an article written by the Globe in December yeah. last year. And, and on the editorial page. It wasn't an editorial, but it was a, by, a byline article. And um, it, what it basically said was, let the people decide the election. Yeah. But then if I think the Globe had a strong preference for, uh, for Markey, yeah. separate from the endorsement that they gave, which he used to very, very good advantage. Yeah. yeah. And, and he used uh, the advantage of... Um, of a lot of elected officials supporting him, which was important because if he wasn't in Townsend, if the person up there was endorsing him, that was a help locally. Uh, Kennedy tried to duplicate that, but what he had on the ad that I saw was a lot of, like, selectmen and all of them and people. Yeah. Interesting enough, he must have had a half a dozen uh, city councilors in the city of Lowell, excuse me, the city of Lawrence, but the mayor of Lawrence very definitely was an ad, added su- an avid supporter of Ed, Ed Markey. So, mm-hmm. um, th- again, his commercials were much better. You're right. And that, yeah, that yeah. in itself sometimes mm-hmm. is a little bit of an advantage. But more important than that, um, the, f- the stars were fixing the sky the way they should be, and it ended up— Well, and, and the way Joe speaks— I couldn't under—maybe it's my hearing, and I'm losing my hearing like Ed is. <laughs> but listening, I, when his commercials would come on, and I'd try to listen to him deliver his message, he talks too quickly and in a very clipped tone. He talks like it's a—he needs to practice. Um, Not a to lot practice. of volume. Not a lot of volume. Well, yeah, and it's, but it's very quick, and it's very—and and 
I don't know. He needs a little bit more training with his voice and yeah. and how he projects it because I couldn't understand. He, he quickly it'd take me like maybe five seconds to understand that it was his commercial and and what he's talking about, and already I'd missed like half the message. So uh, you know, I didn't think those were good. However, on the Ed Markey ones, him with his sneakers on walking around Malden that that you know you know that doesn't happen really, but he he went back to a vision of himself and the uh, people that know that you know and people in Malden actually know that would, he hardly think, ever showed up right I think they were Nikes <laughs> rather than Corbin sneakers yeah they were Nikes <laughs> I think but but so, you know what Ed Ed's more of a national guy than uh, I mean he his issues are uh, uh, broad brush issues you know like the green new deal and whether you accept that or not uh, that has national importance to a lot of people uh, I think that's why AOC, for example, might have supported him. Um, you know, and, he, and all his other issues that he has, he's a, he's a, a very progressive, um, and he does uh, he does work, but just not in Malden, yeah. <laughs> in Washington, where he belongs. Well, when he votes, he apparently only votes about half the time. But that's uh, that's uh, one of the issues that Kennedy used. By yeah. the way, um, yeah. that reminded me. And I'm glad you brought that up. I thought um, the Speaker of the House Pelosi endorsing. Uh, Kennedy was out of step. I don't. Well, I mean, she had to. She had to. I mean, he's a House member. She's the head of the House. I mean, you know, you, I, everybody knew that one. Well, but except that Markey was in the Congress most of his career in Washington. Well, I mean, what's she going to do? Dis her, dis her current member? I mean. Well, he was another Democrat, and and AOC support. She's a House member. She supported Markey. Well, she's not the leader of the House. You no, know, the House no. Speaker. So. Okay. Uh, I, I thought that Nancy had a huge obligation to support Joe. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, so maybe people people in the know that knew that probably weren't that impressed with the endorsement, saying, well, yeah, he had, she had to. Um, and maybe that kind of detracted from the actual value yeah. of the yeah. endorsement. Yeah. But. One of the things, and I maybe missed some, because, uh, of course, I'm not glued to the TV all the days, nights that, uh, that when you have other things to do uh, or you think you do. Or if you do nothing, because sometimes it's a lot of repeats. I'm on good at that. A lot, of, a lot of repeats on TV, but un- until the final day, I uh, I don't think I saw either his wife or, my, or Kennedy's wife involved in the campaign. No, well, I, 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 I again, I didn't watch that much either, but yeah, yeah. it was a blonde lady with him at the library, so well, that's his wife. <laughs> yeah, you know, well, with uh, Ed's wife Susan there. Um, she actually has a whole career of her own. Isn't she retired now? Uh, yeah, but I'm sure she's active with this COVID stuff and yeah. whatever. Um, she keeps busy. So I could see in her case, I don't know about Joe's wife. Uh, maybe she doesn't. Maybe she's like Michelle Obama. She doesn't like politics. That can yeah. happen. You know. Yeah, that's a good, uh, good idea. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. anyway, the, <laughs> the rest of the election, just to kind of give you a quick overview, um, Catherine Clark was running unopposed, but sometimes when a um, a candidate in that situation, then what you really look at maybe is the blanks because that's maybe an indication of maybe oh, a, a negative vote. Yep. But uh, Catherine did extremely well in terms of the total vote in Malden. Um, they, and we'll talk about the total vote in a minute, but it was over 11,000 people took the time to vote yesterday. And she she got um, really almost 90% of the vote. Well, that, that's good. I was going to ask you that, Ed. Uh, the The overall vote in Malden was that a, was that a high number? Very high, because that's I mentioned to someone today. 
in a, in a, there was a, over 30% vote, and um, then uh, in a, the last city election with a, a credible opponent to the mayor, I think it was under 50 or in the 40% range plus. So when you get that many in a primary, we're not many choices other than the, the, the Senate race. Yeah. Um, yes, I thought that was an impressive total yesterday. And a lot had to do with the, um, the mail-in vote, which we're going to talk about as well. Well, yeah, you know how I looked at it. I thought this was a great opportunity for me anyways to practice a dry run of voting by mail. Yeah. You know, I mean, just going through the process to make, because I'm, I'm damn sure going to be voting <laughs> November 3rd. Yeah. I mean, and I don't want any screw-ups. So I, this was a great dry run for me, you know, to see how it worked. And actually, and maybe you don't know this, but I'll tell you, um, it's like my mother-in-law. She's like 92, and so she got her, she's actually absentee i believe but that's works the same same thing as a mail-in yeah so she voted and uh we put uh we put her vote in the mailbox and so we wanted to see you know uh, did it actually get to where it was intended to go and um the nice part with the secretary of state bill galvin there on his, he has a website that you can check to see that your vote got uh, registered Right. I mean, it, it went to the uh, like my vote went to uh, Greg, your son, the, the clerk here in Malden, and he received it and uh, he takes it and he puts it in his computer system. And they they upload that to the secretary of state's uh, master role um, several times a day, I guess, when they're working heavy. But you can go on and say you can put in your name and whatever and say, uh, did has it been received? And it they have an indicator that says it's in process or you've, it's received. So that's good. You know, you can at least check that, yeah, I put it in the mail. Did it ever get there? You can check on that. And that's good to know. So, Yeah, and, and um, I'm going to talk a little about my own observations about that process, when, but I would like to maybe with you um, kind of run through the rest of the voting yeah. for the people that uh, okay. want to know what happened. So, again, the next one, Terry Kennedy, who was a governor's counselor, and that's a that's a position that goes back to uh, pre-American days, really, and um, <laughs> maybe in a lot of ways uh, it, it doesn't serve a useful purpose uh, any longer. But they they appoint judges and they appoint other people in, in other limited capacities. Um, I think they also deal with clemencies. Or, uh, yeah, they could have. Um, I'm not sure what they but all But it really do. Is, uh, is like a, a visible part of government because there's 10 of them, yeah. and the lieutenant governor presides over in case there's a tie so they can um, have a, a break of, of, a, of a vote one way or the other. But interesting enough, we have locally two weekly newspapers. Yeah. I say that with extreme reservation, because as the observer, if anybody pays attention to that paper, uh, has more Wakefield and Reading information in it than Malden, although we do have uh, uh, a Malden person writing some articles in it. Uh, but, but basically, it, it's really not a Malden paper anymore. And um, once they start merging it with other communities. But the the advocate is a, a, a Malden paper, and there's a Similar comparable paper published in Everett and a couple of other communities, and that gives you more of a Malden flavor than the other paper. But um, what was kind of interesting was 
uh, uh, Terry Kennedy, who's held this position for a number of terms, um, spent quite a bit of money. He advertised every week, uh, as Paul Donato did. Only Terry had bigger articles, uh, bigger ads in the in the uh, advocate, and um, was more of a presence in the area because. Although he lives in Linfield, his family grew up, and his father was and, and family had been very political and all over the years previously in Everett. Okay, his father had served as a state representative among other things, and um, f- fortunately for a lot of people, he ended up with a very uh, HR position with the T. So oh, a lot yeah. of Everett yeah. people ended up getting. Positions. I, I was wondering with the, the Kennedy name. I was wondering, do you think there was any confusion between the two? That there was two Kennedys on a... Uh, no, if anything, it should have worked in his favor, I would think. But the other part of the thing is this woman that ran against him, I never saw anything written or otherwise about her campaign. Uh, nothing at all. So it, it must have been a low budget. But the interesting thing I thought was Terry only carried more than by 1,000 votes. Yeah. And there was about 1,200 blanks. So... That, to me, it was rather odd because here's a person I know nothing about, and I didn't see any material delivered to my home. I didn't see any ads, and uh, I didn't even see things that might have been on the on the uh, te- uh, computer. But in any event, she uh, she did what I would think was not only well. She carried a couple of precincts in Malden. Yeah. And uh, so I don't know what the final result. I would assume that, that, that Terry won the election, but, again, that was kind of a surprise to me. The next one, Jason Lewis did extremely well. Uh, he, he has represents among his dis, uh, part of his district is all of Malden. He also represents other communities, including Stoneham and Reading and Wakefield. Uh, and but he's very v- visible, very active locally, and he did very well. And again, I'm looking at the blanks to suggest that uh, since there weren't a lot, it would make it appear that people that that took the time to vote weren't looking for an opponent for to vote against him. They were going to support him. The next one uh, is even more interesting than the the Terry Kennedy race. Paul Donato has served in the, the legislature, I think, for 10 or 11 terms. He's a presiding officer when the speaker isn't presiding. Yeah. I think I've seen him listed as the fourth highest-ranking state representative. Right. He's active locally in, in the... He represents four precincts in Malden. Yeah. Most of his district is in in, uh, in Medford. And driving through Malden bef- uh, before yesterday, he had a lot of signs in Malden. Up the West End, he had signs. He had he had signs uh, in your front yard in Ward 7. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, what put him over. That's what put him over, and, that uh, one sign. <laughs> anyway, the person that ran against him was a sheet now. She lives here in Malden. She's a neighbor of mine. Right. The, the, obviously, the majority of the district is in Medford. She lives here in Malden. She had run once before, I think, for school committee. Does that ring a bell? Mm, yes, I believe she yeah. did, yeah. And uh, her, her last name is Mausalem. Mausalem. But what was really interesting is in, in, uh, in Ward 7-2... She won. And that she she carried the ward. Wait a minute, seven two. I'm sorry, seven one. Seven one, right. Yeah. Well that makes sense. She lives there. Well, she lives there, but I don't 
uh, other than some signs, and she was she had a website, uh, and and she does have a an exposure in Metro because she's a she's the director of a of a uh, the Muslim uh, uh, historical something over there. Well, she's active in our ward uh, Democratic committee, right. so so I mean, she uh, she gets right. known through that. Right, but if you if you if you look over the the background of the people, uh, Paul Paul Donato's been in politics a very long time, and he worked very hard, much harder you'd almost think for someone who's been in as long as he has in this particular election, and he spent a, a fair amount of money, which I don't think she had the money to spend. And But she won part of Malden, which is Ward 7-1, but in the total election, she only lost, and although that would be significant in some ways, 5,200 to 4,100, yeah, which yeah. I think is very impressive considering... No, she did very well. She, she really did. did. Well. Of anybody yeah. that uh, that uh, uh, and, uh, she did, maybe uh, as surprising as was by by Kennedy's opponent, Terrence Kennedy's opponent result, I think this is even more enlightening because um, someone with a uh, um, she doesn't have an ethnic group that that's a broad support. She has um, a low budget operation, and she was other than some signs in the yard. And Paul had plenty of them in Malden, and. It, and my sister lives over in Medford, uh, over off the Fellsway in Fulton Street. And I know dr- driving over there to uh, my sister's house is, is Donato signs all over the place. You come up Glenwood Street, the signs all over there. So signs don't vote, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, Paul did it. He, he takes, when he runs, he takes it very seriously. He certainly does. He, he does. told me that. He told me that because he and it, you know, and it bothers him if he, you know, he gets nervous and just like uh, you know, you say he's been in for a long time, but he doesn't, he doesn't just kind of mail it in. So he he did work. Uh, to and to give the credit to Nicole, she ran a very good race, requiring him to run uh, himself uh, probably more than he wanted to, right? He admitted during his uh, his uh, uh, victory speech here last night that uh, he, he alluded to the fact that he needs to get more out there because uh, because of the, her good returns that he thinks he probably needs to get into Malden a little more than he has. So uh, I think that was an admission that it was probably closer than he wanted it to be. Well, that would suggest in spite of his age and his longevity, he's not playing at the league. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Paul is pretty active for his age. You know, I mean, you know, maybe like Mark, Marky was hopping around last night, and uh, and Paul was hopping around. He's he, he he's pretty active. For, I'm not gonna say how old he is because he gets mad about that stuff. But <laughs> he's he's pretty active. I'll tell you, he's uh, no, very he's, spry. Is that the correct word? Ed? Spry. Spry. All right. Is that what you call older people that are <laughs> energetic? <laughs> well, anyway, there was is it, and and uh, uh, that may be a suggestion that um, sometimes when you get to a certain years along in terms of time on the on the position, you kind of peak out, and after that, it's an erosion effect. People hey, forget you. Or you what? remember you remember back in the day in Malden that if if you were an older person running for office. And you got labeled a gadfly. <laughs> that, that was, a, that was, that a, was a, a loser. That was a loser. That right? was someone you, who you ran did, that didn't win. If anybody could stick the label of gadfly on you, you were done. You might as well just 
go home. <laughs> well, well, the rest of Steve Altrino ran unopposed. It did extremely well. I like Steve. He's a good man. Good yeah. man. And uh, we have a we have a representative who represents one precinct in Malden who's who's really a, a, from Melrose. And uh, I don't know her. Uh, Kate Carabinian. She won a special election, and so this was her first full term. She replaced the state representative from Melrose who got elected mayor. All right, Paul. Uh, to to, to Boudoir. I think you just butchered his name, you but know, that's okay. Considering that she only had <laughs> one precinct in Malden, she's been very active. She doesn't. She she has constituency visits, and, and, and right now there's Zoom kinds of events, but she's not taking anything for granted. And, and she did well considering that uh, she only has the one precinct and is relatively new in terms of her vote. And finally, um, the Register of Probate, uh, which is uh, a person who's, again— I don't know that invisible. person. Well, I, yeah, yeah. She, she's—I uh, met her. She's a nice person and, and been in office now for— How would she get initially uh, in that seat? Did she win an election? Or? Uh, I'm trying to think. Maybe Gene Brune had the job at one time, and she replaced him. Did he die in jo- on the job? Didn't um, didn't uh, I'll get you that information. Didn't the, the mayor show. of Somerville didn't his sister have it for a while? Uh, Rune's sister? No, no, no. Uh, the mayor of Somerville. What's his name? The guy that's in office now? Yeah. No, she's the. Um, she's got the other fake job. Oh, the other fake she's, job. She's <laughs> county job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is she still in? Yeah. yeah, she's still in office. I didn't uh, even know she won that time. I thought she'd, uh, yeah, yeah, she was yeah. an all the an all the person on all the men or whatever they call them, Summerville, and then okay. she got elected to a county position, and it's and, and it's like uh, you can keep the job as long as you're breathing because people don't know who you are and they don't know what the job does. But before I wrap up this uh, this part of the uh, the election process, there are other people on the ballot. By the way, there was the Republican Party, and they had the more than had twelve hundred people vote in in the Republican primary. They had 11,000-plus uh, in the Democratic primary. So those would be both unenrolled people and people that are designated Well, it, th- this was probably a pretty good turnout for them, right? 1,200? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, relatively they had, speaking, yeah, I mean. They actually have a Kevin O'Connor running against Markey. Oh, really? No. Well, he didn't win. No, he, he, he won the primary. The oh, 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 oh. So, so he's, he's in the general? Huh? Is he in the general? or? Yes. Yeah. You got a choice in November, uh, and then uh, there's a Carolyn Calaruso from Stoneham, who um, is running for for the Congress seat, and and she's been a a selectman and she's run for a number of op- different offices over the years, but uh, she's like a perennial candidate, oh. and uh, she ran unopposed for the Congress seat, and the rest of the battle pretty much looks empty. Blanks, 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 and blanks, yeah. We have a Green Rainbow Party. Oh, jeez. And there were 11 people who were designated in that, in that uh, party, and they voted yesterday. 11. Wow. And uh, the top voting was in 6-2. There were two people in 6-2 voted in the, for that party. We'll hunt them down and <laughs> do what we do. With well, people. all right. So they only... I'm looking at green, green ro- rainbow, but senator and Congress, nobody, 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 
nobody, nobody. They had nobody running for office. So. Right. So what the hell does that mean? It means that uh, they uh, got a lot to. Uh, who did they vote for? They stayed home. Oh, they must have. They must have. They must have had a candidate. No, I don't see any candidate. Am I wrong about that? Oh, I'm sorry. It was a write-in. They had a write-in candidate? Yeah, uh, someone uh, blanked them, and then there's nine people. Two people blanked them, and nine people wrote somebody in. Two, two people and three, too, so they must have been a husband and wife went up together. <laughs> and uh, there's one other party that was on the ballot, if you wanted them, and that was a libertarian. Okay. Did they have anybody running? They had 41 People vote, f and um, very quickly they had nobody to vote. Nobody for. running. Nobody mm -hmm. running. Uh, yeah, they've had a, they've had kind of a checkered history. At one time, the the one who organized that party, I think, was indicted, went to jail. <laughs> but uh, well, you know, in the last presidential election, the Green Party actually had a presidential candidate. And this year, no. So yeah, I mean, that's basically those little parties just. Put out somebody for, and didn't Bill Weld do still, did he ever run as a libertarian? He yes, he, he did, did. vice he president. That's right. Oh, he was on the vice president ticket last time around. Four right. years ago. Is he still on the Republican ticket? He's back. He was running as a Republican this time against Trump. He yeah, ran in yeah. primaries. Is, it, uh, is he going to be in the general? I mean, when we go to vote, will he? No, be, no, because he, uh, he he finally, when Trump got the majority of the delegates. Oh, that's right. He won the, the, the all right. So convention, that knocked him out. Yeah. Okay. But he kind of fell by the wayside because he either ran out of energy, which he doesn't have a lot of anyway, <laughs> ran out of money, or, or uh, considering he was a Republican eight years ago, then he was a libertarian four years ago, yeah. And I'm inclined to think that when he signed up as a libertarian and run with a guy named Johnson four years ago, um, he signed a paper saying he would not go back to the Republican Party. I would say a libertarian, and he didn't. He, he went back oh, to the, he went back to the Republican good. Party. Well, uh, Trump's and, broken and I the think mold on Trump has a way of giving people nicknames, and if they gave if he gave him a uh, sleepy whatever, that would fit him because he almost looks like he's half asleep. Well, but anyway. His time has passed. As you recall, he was reelected governor, left in midterm, yeah. thinking he was going to be the ambassador to, to Mexico. Yeah. And, and, and the senator from North Carolina, Helm, I think it was, blocked him. Yeah. So he went back to move to New York and continue as a lawyer. Well, you know, I mean, as a libertarian, he took the, the job of governor. Well, he wasn't a libertarian. He was a Well, Republican. he thought like a libertarian. Yeah. He took the office just to make it ineffective. I yeah. mean, that's what they do. They don't believe in government. So yeah. they, if they get an office, they just sit there to make sure that the government doesn't function. Yeah. So, Well, um, so that's the election. Now, I'll have the next time I do a show, maybe I can clarify some of the things. One of the things that maybe is a, is a, is a subtotal to this all, with the Secretary of State trying to activate people and motivate people to vote, created a system where they sent out cards re for the, and using that card as a return item, yeah. the, you, people could, could get what they call a, a mail-in vote opportunity as opposed to what would used to be called absentee voting, which is voting prior to election day, but voting. And the usual reason is you're either sick and unable to go to the polls 
or you're out of the area, in which case, uh, like Trump is, and not in Florida anymore. Yeah. So he votes by absentee vote, even though he doesn't think most people should. In any event, I think there's a third reason why you you could be eligible to vote absentee. But what this did was this allowed anybody in Massachusetts, to a great degree it was motivated by the virus situation. But in Malden, and I don't have the exact figures, but I believe close to 9,000 people applied after they received the cards from the Secretary of State. It was a very complicated process. The Secretary of State, for for those listeners who are registered voters, would have received a notice in the mail to return a card should you want to vote by, uh, not at the polls, but you wanted to vote for elections. That card went to the clerk's office at the local community. The clerk would then send out an absentee ballot to you to vote by mail. You then return it to the to the city hall or the town hall, and they in turn would record it for their your name and, and location, and then it would be as it would be in Marlin sent down to the lo- local precinct to be recorded. Right. Of the nine thousand who to return cards, over six thousand actually voted. That's why the eleven thousand plus people, that, and there's actually more than 11,000 because in addition to 11,000 who voted in the Democratic primary, you had 1,200 Republicans. So that's how you get to over 30% of the people in Malden of the registered voters voted. What did happen, some people showed up at the polls on election day with their absentee vote. And the, the precincts couldn't accept them, but the people could take them to City Hall, and City Hall, if it were by eight, if it was by eight o'clock, could could record. They the, had a drop box, didn't they? They they, they had a drop box in the in the in the lobby. Yes. Oh, okay. And then um, there were there was one instance that I was aware of that a couple brought it to the precinct, and um, they had language issues with with the uh, the people that worked there and whatever, and then were, when they were instructed that they could take it to City Hall because they didn't have transportation. They would have had to take a bus. So in that case, they, they didn't vote. But of the 3,000 approximately, as I understand it, and I'll have more information for a later show, um, that indicated they wanted to do it, they didn't do it. But some of them showed up at the polls and couldn't vote. And um, some of them obviously changed their mind for some reason and didn't do anything. But once you send the card back and the city sends out an absentee ballot, then you couldn't vote at the polls. You either had a Oh, really? Whether or not you actually... Yeah, yeah. That's what I've been told. Well, that's... Yeah, I was talking to Sue about this. It's because, you know, they probably cut the list because uh, they had uh, early voting, but it ended on the Friday before uh, giving them time to cut the final list, right? So that if your name... On the day September first, the, the the primary day, that list would be a true list of people that just hadn't voted yet, either early or, you know. Well, it would include everybody, but some names would be prevented from voting because they either had sent in an absentee ballot or a mail-in ballot, or they had requested one and didn't return it. 
Yeah, I, I, that's a little weird to me, how if you didn't turn it in. I mean, because you could change your mind, right? I, well. You can't. What? No, you, if you <laughs> request it, you send in a form saying, I request I'm going to do it this way, and then you don't do it. Okay, I understand now. All right. And um, the, the, one of the, 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 the dilemmas of early voting, and occasionally it, 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 something happens with a candidate from the time you vote from by absentee vote, let's say, not so much in Massachusetts, but it even applies here. Something happens with a candidate that you, you vote for by absentee vote, let's say. And then you realize either the person died or there's some, some scandal occurred, so now you don't want to vote for that person. But once you voted by absentee, your vote counts because that's the way it is and that you can't change it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in fact, looking at the Kennedy, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm just thinking of this now, there was one other ha ha uh, contested election for Congress and that was the 4th District. No, it wasn't the 4th. But what, where Neil is. He's from Springfield. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, he's been in the Congress for 30 years. He's the chairman of Ways and Means, which is a very influential position. And he was opposed by the mayor of uh, Holyoke. Holyoke. Yeah. And the mayor of Holyoke, kind of an interesting background. He's just over 30 years of age. I think it's either his third or fourth term as mayor. He got elected mayor, He's and he's a... Uh, uh, and he's publicly announced as a, as a gay person, right? He's he's also um, has some serious consequences, a serious controversy related to his position. Uh, he was as part of his background. He was a a teacher at the University of Mass, I believe, and as it involved, he had personal social relationships with some students. And that created a well, situation yeah, where yeah, that created a situation. Well, he was he was literally barred from certain things. Now there was a well, I think they backed off on that. There was an apology at the last minute. Yeah. But also separate from that, they had a situation occurred with the police department in Holyoke, where at one point a twelve year old boy was Oh yeah, that beaten, was more serious. Yeah. Physically beaten, suffered serious mental and emotional and physical injuries from a confrontation with a with a policeman now you had a a 12 year old boy was weighed about 100 pounds i think of as i heard the story what i find fathomable is unfathomable is that ultimately that case was settled in a civil suit for oh, $65,000 oh yeah which i find astounding because to me, they must have had a lousy lawyer because if they had a lawyer at all, which they must have had, because a case like that should have been worth 10 times that, yeah. easy or more. But where yeah. the, the controversy entered in, um, he was the mayor at the time. The The, the chief of police literally uh, said basically that, well, you know, he made a, like a Trump statement. Well, no, they're good guys. Talk about the cop. Well, we, he beat up a 12-year-old kid physically, more than one cop. And forget the fact that cop, an adult beating up a 12-year-old kid, can't say necessarily they're good guys. But in any way, he was the mayor at the time and uh, was highly criticized because of the way that was handled and it was literally swept under the rug. I think the, the chief since then has retired. But anyway, so that, that, that election, by the way, he got 41% of the vote as of this morning. Yeah. So he did almost... 
as well as Kennedy and and all that controversy. And Kennedy worked harder. Well, and spent a lot more money. Uh, yeah. Well, the problem there. Well, the support came from a lot from once they accused him of that sexual stuff, the LGBTQ uh, community came to his rescue because he's gay. Yes, he is. And they were. Although, as Steinfeld says, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah, but they came to his rescue. They oh. were offended oh. that the uh, college Democrats, uh, what was it, UMass College Democrats or something, tried to attack uh, one of their own, and there was a backlash. So, you know, I, I don't know what – I'm sure uh, there was support there that uh, was part of the backlash. So, you know. But there was that issue about I, – I, he didn't respond to the, when the 12-year-old kid got beat up or something. He, as mayor, did not – basically get involved or something? Um, the, uh, I only found out about it because there was, was an article recently that I read on it. Yeah. And, um, it I think he was silent on it. it yeah, it appears that he left it up to the police to handle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I said, when I read it the, uh, in somewhere in the article about a settlement of th those oftentimes are confidential agreements. But uh, then again, sometimes people leak it to the certain sources. So, But when I saw $65,000... It happened some years ago, and the boy still has suffered some emotional issues since that time. And I said, how did they get off so cheap, 65 grand? And the lawyer's going to take a third or 40% of it. Wouldn't, wouldn't you think a lawyer's would have been uh, salivating uh, on a deal like that? If I was a lawyer and I heard that a 12-year-old kid got beat up by the cops, wouldn't you be there with your card immediately? Either that, <laughs> I would have called 1-800-Sokolov or call Morgan and Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> but Jeez, anyway, yeah, was a, yeah, you're and right, he was a minority. I was like, that was another thing that was part of the. Oh, uh, the kid was a minority. Yes. Yeah, really. Yeah. That, well. uh, you don't get twelve-year-old white kids get beat up by cops. Well, yeah, yeah. Interesting yeah. enough, a, a bit of a statistic. Um, not to try to catch you off guard, but you have four hundred thirty-five Congress people yeah. elected to Congress. Yeah. Do you know how many minorities are a part of that group? The uh, the number, approximate number. No, I don't. 110. Yeah. Do you know how many people of color? Yeah. How many? About 50. Yeah. You know what percentage of the total <laughs> that is? What? 12. <laughs> you know what supposedly the percentage of the population is of color? Uh, well, you'd say in black? Yes. 13? Right on the nose. There you go. 13 percent. So, so, so it's uh, pretty close. Absolutely, which surprised me. Um, but one of the things that's kind of interesting, there were 40 senators out of the total of 100 senators who have been in Congress before they were in the Senate. Okay. There has never been a person of color elected from the Congress to the Senate. Now, there are really? currently in the Senate, there is a, a, a Senator Scott, yeah. who's a Republican, yeah. who um, served in the Congress. Okay. But he was he got to be a senator by appointment by the governor. This is in South oh, Carolina. Okay. Oh, so he wasn't elected. Then he ran for a full term. Yeah. Got sixty percent of the vote. Yeah. Was was then elected or reelected as a, as a senator? Interesting enough. Now he's a Republican. You only get ten percent of the people of, uh, of color's vote. Huh. But he got sixty percent of the total vote. And we we in Massachusetts have had a senator who was a person of color who was 
I know who it is, and I can't. My brain, I'm old. I, can, you get I know who it is, but I can't remember his name. Tell me. Ed Brooke. Ed Brooke, right. But he right. was attorney general before he was a uh, senator, and he was a Republican. Yeah, yeah, he was. But um, I think, um, but, you know, there, there are six lieutenant governors across the country who, uh, of, uh, of color. Yeah. Six lieutenant governors. There are six attorney generals that are of color. I didn't realize that. I saw last night. I guess the lieutenant uh, uh, lieutenant governor of uh, Wisconsin is black. Huh? I saw that for the first time. I didn't. I didn't know who he was. And uh, the AG was, of Kentucky is. Uh, he was talking about Kenosha, and I looked at the yeah. bottom of the screen. It's a lieutenant uh, yeah. governor. So there's a there's a, uh, a former lieutenant governor who, who was one time I think uh, head of the Republican National Committee, who was a, was a lieutenant governor in uh, Delaware, I think, or Maryland. Does all 50 states have a lieutenant governor? Do you have to have one? Well, that's a good question. Um, I mean, wouldn't you? I don't know. That's a good question. We'll have to I'll, I'll check that out for the next show that I do. Yeah. I I, mean, I, I'm i not sure if there is. Uh, um, I, 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 I think what happens is like um, if the um, if the president were vacated, the, the vice president becomes the president. Right. But I don't think they replaced the, the vice president. Well, when Although did was Spiro, Spiro did Agnew stepped down, right, uh, before Nixon did, right? Was he replaced by uh, Rockefeller? Well, that's what I'm wondering. I, was he replaced? Uh, Rockefeller ran on the second. No, when, I don't know. I'll have to look because that one up. Because the Speaker of the House becomes a president if there's a vacancy. So there must not be vacant. They must, the vice president must stay vacant until the next election because then if, if, the, if the vice president becomes the president and then that vacates the position of president, then the Speaker of the House becomes the president temporarily. Yeah. 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 So that, that goes way back. <laughs> but anyway. Well, just, questions throw, to ponder. Questions to ponder. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I, you may be All you political junkies out there, you, I bet you wish there was a phone that you could call in and tell us yeah, all Yeah, we're going to get that phone system. No working. phone calls, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, but this, this thing is taped. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But um, um, in fact, there's, a, there's another interesting subject. We've just gone through a scandal with the state police. Oh, and um, I still have a hard time understanding how there were multiple people involved in that fake ticket thing where they were being paid for shifts they didn't do. Oh. Well. And they ended up, um, a, a minimum number of them had court appearances, all of whom uh, were either slapped on the wrist or given minus, minus sentences, most of which were public community service, I think. But um, the uh, this issue there was, uh, I don't know how many actually lost their pension, even though there may have been, a, I thought, about 60 of them involved. I caught the news this afternoon coming here. They've indicted some Boston police for basically this. Same thing? Well, not from traffic, but they apparently working with the with the inventory or something, and they and they literally padded their re overtime, some of whom have already retired. At one time, that protected your pension. If you retired and then you were indicted and convicted of a felony, you still kept your pension. When they had that mm -hmm. exam scam um, in Massachusetts, which included some local people, yeah. I think it was the, um, the 
either the fire chief or the might be the police chief in Revere was involved, but he had already retired. The other people lost their pension. He kept his pension because he had already retired. They, then they changed the law after that. One thing I disagreed with, the people that were indicted that lost their pension because you had to be convicted of a felony in a, in your job. So yeah. if a cop violated the law, was convicted of a felony, at that time he lost the pension and he also lost his contribution, which I didn't think was right. Yeah. They've since changed the law. Yeah. Tom Finneran, among others, and Billy Bulger's brother was another one. He was a clerk of courts. He got indicted, got convicted. He lost his pension. This is the Bulger's brother. And by, way, by the way, I think his brother Billy has the highest retirement pension of anybody in the pension system in Massachusetts. It's about $200,000 a year. Yeah. But Finneran uh, committed a stupid perjury. It was so, was so stupid that I wouldn't even think people took it at any credibility. But he lost his pension. I think he took it to court and lost. So I don't think he ever got his pension. And I'm not even sure if he ever got back his contributions because I don't remember if the law was changed before or after his uh, leaving office or after his conviction. So anyway, that's another quick thing. One other area that I could touch on, um, been a lot of talk about you know the police budget and defunding defunding the budget here in Malden or well in across the country. I think it's I think well, is there any discussion? I mean, we could talk for another. That's a that's that's such a stupid thing yeah. when you talk about. I mean, how could you exist as an organized society without a police department? And uh, well, I think I think they're just saying that in the budget. They budget for things like maybe mental health responders and stuff. The police respond to that stuff, and maybe they, they somebody else should respond to those kinds of things. I mean, that's what I get out of that, that they want to refocus some of the money to. And yeah. I can see how some cops would not want to respond to some of those issues. I mean, uh, things that they aren't qualified to respond to, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I would think, but. Well, and when I, the other aspect of it, so just quickly, the city of Boston it revamped their budget, cut, sliced out, I don't know, multi-millions from the overtime. Yeah. Then it got announced after that. Now, they ended up having to put money in over and above what they budgeted at the beginning of last year, for the year ending in June, in order to cover the added overtime. And the overtime was even gone up since then because at one point there was issues in Boston there was, I think, $5 million spent in some of the stuff that was going on that overlapped May and June into July. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, that's such a silly thing because what's going to happen is they're going to have to put money back in and maybe more money because they don't put enough in to start with. So all this emotional stuff is not going to, in the long run, make any dramatic changes. Thanks for listening to us, and I hope to see you soon or talk to you soon. Any questions, call Bill, <laughs> the, the local activist, and my guest. I'll let it ring. Yeah. And don't forget to vote in November. <laughs> we'll have more about that election before the give you a chance because there's some other interesting things we didn't have a chance to reach out and talk about. Yeah. There's plenty to talk about, that's for sure. Yeah.